All right, good morning. Uh, sitting here looking at my tech guy, also known as youth guy, uh, and he's kind of keeping an eye on you guys to see if you're getting checked in with us. And so as we just kind of pause for a couple of moments, we're going to uh, let some folks check in. And uh, in doing that, what I wanted to remind you guys of that we still are using Psalm 119 and praying through Psalm 119. And today's verse um, out of that for our prayer is this. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And as, as we just said during this time frame, I mean, we're obviously in unprecedented times that uh, never in my life have we seen anything like this where church doors have been shut down uh, across the nation. The, the world as a whole is being turned upside down by this coronavirus. But isn't it good to be able to go back and see what the word of the Lord says that forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Not just now, but forever. And so as we just get ready to roll into this morning's message, you know, sit back with a cup of coffee, enjoy yourself. Uh, and, and I would encourage you to focus on what the word says. Don't be caught by distractions around you. Uh, give the attention to the word of the Lord this morning as you would if you were sitting right here in the middle of um, this, this uh, sanctuary. So let's, uh, let's pause together and pray and ask the Lord's blessing on this time as we meet together. So, Father God, we thank you this morning. We thank you, O oh God, that your word is established and it does dwell forever. We thank you, God, that you are gracious to us. We thank you, Lord, for your mercies that endure forever. And God, I'm just reminded of the scriptures that say that I am not worthy of the least of your mercies. But God, you are so good, so faithful to us, that you are merciful to us. Even as we look at the things going around us, you are gracious and good, and there is no God like you. So we want to see you glorified. We want you to be exalted this morning as we said and preached through the word and lord as your church is scattered across um, this area and their homes we pray father that uh, their focus would be on you and that uh, we would worship you this morning as we study the word together we're so grateful god that um, you have given us technology for this very purpose and we pray this all in christ jesus name amen I'm trying to make this seem as natural as possible, and really it's very unnatural, but uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get through these things together. Um, this morning, as we said, this is really kind of a first uh, for me and really the first in the history of Westside Baptist that we've actually uh, meeting together and really not meeting together, that we're doing this uh, service through Facebook Live, and it's going to be recorded. Uh, we'll also have it on the website uh, in a couple of days, takes us a, a little bit of time to get everything put together on that. And also, if you know folks that want CDs, uh, Brother Jay is, is uh, ready to get those out as well, if you just let the church office know that. Um, as I said a while ago, this is really a moment that we also need to be thankful to the Lord uh, for His goodness that He even has allowed us the technology to be able to, to set and do this. It's, a, it's an amazing thing that we've seen that just even 20 years ago, we wouldn't have been able to do that. And, and I believe this morning that as we, we study the Word of God together, that you can be greatly encouraged by this morning's message. And 
just in that encouragement, just as you will listen to the description that Jesus Christ uses to describe his character of who he is, if we did nothing more than that in studying the word of God this morning, it, it would just be, it is such an encouragement, not would be, it is such an encouragement to see who he is and that you and I ought to walk away with our spirits uplifted because it's another example of God showing himself for who he is. And the one thing that we certainly want to do, whether we are here uh, congregationally or we're dispersed as we are right now, is that you and I want to make Jesus Christ preeminent in what we're doing. That is essential. And if there's one thing that I can be thankful for uh, in, in all of this um, uh, quarantine and, and the fear and, and the, that is running rampant, listen, folks, it is a time for us to look to our Redeemer to get our priorities correct and, and to put our focus on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text this morning is dealing with the, uh, the Church of Philadelphia. You'll remember that um, there was only one church out of the churches we have studied up to this point that did not have a correction or a rebuke from the Lord, and that was the church of Smyrna, that church that was crushed. And they were crushed because they were faithful to the testimony of Jesus Christ. They were under great persecution. And the Lord just said, you just keep doing what you're doing. Well, the, the church of Philadelphia, in, in like manner, does not receive a rebuke from the Lord. They do not receive any correction from the Lord at all. But I want to stop and just pause for a minute, and I want you to think about this. This church, while it does not receive a rebuke or correction from the Lord, I want you to understand that this church was not a perfect church by any means. As a matter of fact, this side of heaven, there is no perfect church because it is made up of imperfect people who are still working their salvation out. And yet, what we find is this, is that you will see that the Lord really has no correction for them, not because they're perfect, but because they're obedient. And, and so I want you to mark that in just in the back of your mind, and you might even just, if you're taking notes, just, just write down obedience off to the side so you can maybe think and dwell on that a little bit later. So let's hear what the Spirit of the Lord would say to us this morning. And if you're taking notes, and I certainly hope that you are, here are the main points. As in all the letters that we've studied thus far, we're going to see who the letter is from and who it is written to. We're going to see what the Lord says to the church. And we're going to see what the response of the church ought to be. So let's just start by looking at who it is from and who it is to. But before we do that, let's turn in your Bibles, and I apologize, uh, Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13 is where we'll take our text from. And the, the sermon title is The Church of the Open Door. Uh, that is, uh, that's important as well as we study this letter to understand what that means and the implications that it has for the church that is a church uh, that is pleasing to God. And it certainly should be a message to us because, again, two churches that the Lord does not rebuke. Uh, and, and if we want to say we want to pattern ourselves as a church that 
does not receive correction from the Lord, does not receive a rebuke from the Lord, we would certainly want to look at the churches that, that receive that commendation from the Lord. But let me read the scriptures, and you read along with me, Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength. And thou hast kept my word, and thou hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also keep thee from going through the hour of temptation, which shall come upon the, all the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man can take thy crown." Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out uh, no more. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You know, just as I was reading that scripture, it's a somewhat of a lengthy portion, and I'm reminded that it is one of the things that we try to focus on at Westside Baptist Church, and that is simply to actually proclaim the Word of God. Uh, the most important thing that you and I can ever do is to herald the Word of God, and so we don't want to cut short what the Lord says and just add our own words and our own thoughts about it. What is important is that we do put the Word of God out. And so as we look at this and, and the, the Scripture here, there's the pattern that the Lord has had that He identifies the church He's going to speak to. In particular, He is speaking to the pastor of that church, and again, how important it is for pastors to be uh, in, in uh, tune with what the Word of God is saying, that they study to show themselves approved, a workman, workman that needeth not be ashamed, right? We would, we would understand those things. But here the Lord, again, identifies himself because he is the one who is giving the letter to the church. And as in all the letters, he gives various descriptions of himself. And in particular for this church, it is unique in that he uses mostly Old Testament pictures of who God is in how he describes himself. And we'll look in verse 7, it says that he says the first thing that he is, he says, these things saith he that is holy. And, and when we, we look at this, this is in particular, uh, we just, I can just give you several scriptures that would describe uh, God as holy. 2 Kings chapter 9 and verse 22 talks about the Holy One of Israel. Uh, Job chapter 6 and, and verse 10, again, talking about the Holy One. And Isaiah chapter 78 and verse 41, all of these scriptures speak to the fact 
that God is called the Holy One. Now, don't, don't let that uh, run by you quickly. That's important because what Jesus is declaring is really his deity. He is making sure that he is calling himself the Holy One. And so there would be no doubt for those who are hearing that in the church that Jesus Christ is declaring himself to be God. That is important for this little church because we'll, we'll, we'll look a little further and see that just like many of the churches of that day, uh, they were facing persecution. And, and not just persecution uh, just for meeting together, their persecution was for the namesake of Jesus Christ because they were declaring him to be God. And he is wanting to affirm to this little church that he indeed is God. To be sure, there is only one is, who is holy, and that is God. You will remember even when Jesus dealt with the rich young ruler, he says to the young man, he says, good, he says, good, good teacher, you know, good master. And he says, why don't you call me good? There's only one that is good, and that is God. Again, he's trying to establish, reaffirm to this church that this one whom they have been serving is indeed God. Therefore, when Christ calls himself the Holy One, he is, infirm, he is affirming his deity to them. It is to say his holiness means that he is devoid of all sin. There's no flaw. There is no shadow in Christ. None whatsoever because Christ is holy. He calls you and me to holiness as well. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16 tell us this, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, because I am holy. Let me just pause for a moment on that thought. Here we are, unprecedented times, even this week, I think starting today, there have been more restrictions on the movement of, in our state. And, and it is, it's a time when people are uh, just kind of wondering what in the world's going on. Can I tell you, church, I believe that this, and I've been telling you since I've been here for a couple of years, that there is coming a sifting of the church. And that God is trying to get the attention of his people. And I hope, I hope that we are grabbing the concept that he is getting our attention. Just a few weeks ago, nobody would have ever thought, a month ago, no one would ever thought that the church could be literally shut down with the doors closed. And yet here we are. Be ye holy because I am holy. Be set apart, be different. And so as you contemplate, hopefully beyond the next couple of moments or the next hour concerning the word of God, that because he is holy, he calls his people to be holy, and he's calling for purity. He's calling for an obedience in his people to no longer be like the world, but to be a people set apart, people different. We go on to see this, that he describes himself as the one who is true. The meaning here of that word true is absolute 
genuineness. Again, no flaw, no shadow. He's the real deal. There's nothing false about him. The book of Revelation makes it clear in passages like Revelation chapter 6 and verse 10 where it refers to Jesus Christ as being holy and true. Revelation 16 and verse 7 says that he is true and he is righteous. Verses 9, or chapter 19 and verse 11 says that he declares that he is faithful and true. I began this message by saying I think that you and I are able to walk away this morning being greatly encouraged. And why can we be greatly encouraged, folks? Because when we're looking at all the uncertainty that seems to be running through this, this country, this world, you and I are able to place our faith in someone who is absolutely devoid of any sinful nature. He is God. We are absolutely able to place our faith in someone who is true, who is righteous, who is faithful. I mean, there's, there's nothing else. Listen, government is not the answer to the problem. Jesus Christ is the answer to the problem. And you and I as Christians, we have, we have that answer right at our hands, right at our fingertips, right in our voices, and to speak truth to people and say, He is truth, and there is only one hope, and that is Jesus Christ. We need to understand that Jesus Christ is not a concept. Jesus Christ is truth. He says, I am the way. I am truth. I am life. When we're living in that day of shifting ideas of what is true, he is the one foundation that is immovable and unshakable. What an opportunity for God's people. What a great time that we're living in that you and I hold the truth. More importantly, the truth holds us. He goes on to describe himself not only as the Holy One and the one who is true, but he says he is the one who has the key of David. Verse 7 again, he says that he that hath the key of David. Interesting, we don't want to rush past that either, we know that David symbolizes Christ's messianic office. We can find that in Revelation chapter 5. As a matter of fact, let's turn there together. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5. And it says, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And then we can turn over to Revelation chapter 22 and verse 16, again affirming that this is speaking of the messianic office. 22 verse 16. And I, Jesus, have set mine angel to testify unto these things in the churches. I am the root, the offspring of David, and the bright and morning star. In Isaiah chapter 22, this is a reference that many that, that refer to this messianic office, but in Isaiah chapter 22, verse 22, Eliakim 
is the steward who controls access to the king. He was the one who held the key, and he was the one who was only allowed uh, to give access to the king. And in the same way, it is Jesus who holds the key to God. No man comes to the Father except through me, is what Jesus said. So he is the key holder. He is the one who holds the key to the kingdom. A man does not make a decision. Now listen to this. I want you to think about this. And again, we're living in a time that we can be uh, heralding the message of Christ. And, and a man does not make a decision. I, I want you to understand this. A man does not make a decision to enter into the presence of the Lord. He requests to enter into the presence of the Lord. And Jesus Christ, being the key holder, is the one who grants him the access to God the Father. And so we as Christians, we need to make sure that we are proclaiming what this early church had, uh, that it was through Christ and Christ alone that a man is allowed into the kingdom. He's the one who holds the key. He is the key bearer. It should be us asking for mercy so he grants us access to the Father. And again, aren't you grateful this morning as a child of God that you have access to the Lord God Almighty? That you have access to the Father? That you can cry out to Him and say, Abba, Father? I mean, what a privilege it is. You and I don't have to run around scared this morning. We don't have to be a fearful people. We are serving the God who has all of this under control. And I believe that the prayer that we should not be praying is, and I said last Wednesday night as I talked to you briefly, yes, we need to pray for a cure. Yes, we need to pray for lives saved. But folks, what we need to be praying for is God use this to shake us, shake the church and shake this world so they can see that there is an end time coming. He goes on to describe himself as this. He is the one who opens doors and shuts them. Now this ought, to, this ought to just, man, you ought to be so excited about what this says. What Jesus opens, no man can shut. And what he shuts, no man can open. Therefore, if Christ opens the doors of heaven, nothing or no one can shut that up, which includes salvation and every spiritual blessing that he has promised to you and me. Listen, there's no virus that can shut the doors that God has opened. There is no persecution that can shut the doors that God has opened. And folks, Hannah and I were talking this morning just talking about the ark and understanding this when god shut the door to that ark there was no person or no circumstance that could open that door either listen there is a limited time that god gives a man to turn to him and he needs to turn to him and beg his forgiveness and saying let me in because he's the key bearer he is the one who opens and he is the one who shuts and no man can either shut what he opens or opens what he shuts. 
Consider the open doors of ministry that the Lord opens and no one can shut. Christ had opened a door of opportunity for this church and hell could not shut it. And we're going to look at that more closely in verse 8. I don't know if we'll get there today. As a matter of fact, let me just pause and say this. It is probably going to be a, a two-part message, not just, uh, 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 I don't want to keep going on and on, even though I, I could, because you can actually get up and leave, and I wouldn't even know. Um, but anyway, I digress. So he's the one that opens and closes. Think about this again. This is not a perfect church. There is no perfect church. Perfect in what we've been declared, but we're still working out our salvation. We're in the process of being sanctified. Progressive sanctification. Not a perfect church. However, and I want you to grab this. If, if you don't get anything else this morning, you grab this concept. Not a concept. You grab this truth. The one who is holy. Absolute holiness. That's why when the scripture says and, and declares God and says, holy, holy, holy. And, and indeed it might be a reference to the Trinity, but it is also making very clear that there is absolute holiness. Do you grab that? That sin cannot stand in his presence? The one who is true? The one who holds the keys of heaven, and I would add hell? The one who opens and shuts one called Christ Jesus has no condemnation for that church. That's amazing. I mean, that's just amazing. That, that here is this perfect, holy, truthful God who has the keys that allows us in or out. Who opens His spiritual blessings to us. And he looks at that church that wasn't perfect and he does not have any condemnation for them. And when I'm reading through this and I'm studying and I'm going, how is it, why is it that the Lord, knowing that they're not perfect, does not have a rebuke or any condemnation for them? Well, I believe will find it's because of their obedience. You remember when I first started this message? That you need to just write obedience up at the top somewhere? You see, they weren't perfect. God was not commending them on the fact and saying, hey, you're a, you're a great church. You've got great numbers. You have great music. You have a mediocre pastor. No, he was, he was looking and saying, no, this church has been an obedient church. But it isn't something to contemplate, brothers and sisters, that looking at the other churches whom Christ corrects, whether it was for the fact that they had left their first love, 
or that they were married to the world or that they were in bed with idolatry. Whatever the case might have been that, that he corrected those churches, but this church, he does not have any correction for them. He simply encourages them. I don't know about you, but that's the type of church that I want to be. I don't know about you, but that's the type of Christian that I want to be. We know that, that here at Westside, we're not a perfect church, right? You, you know yourself that you're not a perfect person. Your pastor isn't. But I want to be that pastor. I want to be that believer. I want to be a part of that church who is faithful to the obedience of the Word of God. That's what we need to be. That is what this church was. Let me just briefly give an introduction for next week. We'll pick up, I'm going to talk a little bit right now, and we'll, we'll review it a little bit more next week in verses 8 through 12. Because that's what we find our second point is this, is what was written to this church. We're able to determine, really, why they received no correction or rebuke from what the Lord tells them. Just to say, why, why was it that this church did not receive a rebuke? Well, the reason they didn't receive a rebuke, he really outlines for them. And we find that in verse 8. And he says, I know thy works. Every church he's addressed, he says, I know your works. We, we understand this, that Christ is God. Therefore, if he is God, he's omniscient. He is all-knowing. There's nothing that escapes him. He neither sleeps nor slumbers. He doesn't go and take a rest and miss something that is going on in our lives. And I think we would probably all be surprised at the things that he notes in our life that are good, that we did not know we were doing well. And then there are certainly times that we need to be honest with the Lord and say, God, search me, know me, try me, show me if there's any wicked way in me. Not just to show me that so that I can repent. But he lets this church know that he's infinitely aware of their status in life. Nothing good, nothing bad is hidden from the omniscient Christ. He says, I know your works. And then he goes on to tell them, he says, I have set an open door before you. Remember that anything that Christ opens, no man can shut. I think that's important for us right now. How are we viewing this crisis? I view it as an open door. I view it as an opportunity that people are wondering what is going on. I view it as a time that you and I can stand before the world and we don't have to fall in lockstep with the rest of the world, biting our nails 
worried about what is going to happen. Listen, we know what is going to happen. I was telling Brother Jay earlier today as we were sitting visiting before uh, we began this is that I believe that we literally, as we stand, we are in the shadow of the Lord's return very soon, I believe. And as we walk through Revelation, I, I believe that we'll be able to see that more and more. But for Christians, that should not cause us to fear. That should cause us to rejoice. One of the great things that I say about this open door is, is that it, it points all of us to our own mortality. Every single one of us will die. You will die by something except we be caught up in the rapture. And I'll talk about that next week because this church gets that promise. That we will all face death short of the rapture. Every single one of us, it could be a car accident, it could be the coronavirus, it could be anything. But the fact is, one day, each and every person that is on the face of this earth will die. And so the question is, what will I do from point A to point B? As Ann said this morning, the dash in between. What is my life? I'll say it again next week, I'm sure, but I was listening to a guy by the name of Pastor Billy Crone and just a plethora of information on what is going on in the world of technologies that leads us to believe that we indeed are in the last days very, very close to what I believe the Bible calls the tribulation. But he said this, he said, the Lord is going to come back. Now, he is the, if you're a Christian... He is either going to call you by death or by the rapture. One of the two. So you'll either die and go to be with the Lord if you're a follower of Christ or you will be raptured out of here. The question is, when he makes that call for you, what will you be doing? You see, so many of God's people in the past have said, well, I will come to church, I will do that, I'll even pay a tithe, whatever. But you are so consumed with the rest of what the world is doing. And you are doing very little for the cause of Christ. You're so wrapped up in, in the love of the world. And folks, this is a time that I say that God has opened a door for us. He's opened a door for me for self-reflection. Uh, Taking a look and saying, what, what are my priorities? What are your priorities? You see, he's going to call you one way or the other. The question is, what are you going to be found doing when he makes that call? What are you going to be focused on? God forbid that it would be anything that would bring shame on his name. But now let's me address somebody that may be listening that doesn't know Christ, and I will close with this. He set an open door before you. You see, the Bible says, behold, today is the day of salvation. You're not promised tomorrow. Not at all. You, you may say, well, one of these days I'm going to get straight with God. No, there is no one of these days because you don't know if this is the day. Is this the week? Is this the moment that death comes for you? And you say, well, man, I don't like that scare tactic. Well, listen, what I'm saying is meant to, to frighten you. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. 
You don't want to miss this promise to be with the Holy One, the One who is true. This One that holds the key this morning for you to enter into the kingdom of God. And you need to come to the One who holds that key. And you need to cry out for mercy. That He would accept you into His kingdom, not based upon what you have done but based upon what he has done on the cross and that he has been raised from the dead as proof of who he is. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day that you have given us. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you have been exalted. I would pray, God, that we as a people this morning would be so grateful and so encouraged over the fact that you are holy, perfect, and therefore you are able to give the perfect sacrifice to pay the penalty for our sin. I am so grateful this morning, Lord, that you are true, that as I study your word and as we as a people would look to the word of God, that it is not a concept but it is a person of christ and you are true your word is true even as heaven and earth will pass away but you say your word will remain forever i'm grateful that you are the one who holds the keys of life and death you are the one who grants men into heaven but god it's a fearful thing to say that you're the one who would put them in hell And that once that door is shut, no man can open it. God, I am grateful this morning. I am grateful that you open doors of opportunity for us. And I pray, God, that every soul that is listening to this message, by the Spirit of God, you would take the Word of God. Oh, God, and make changes in our life. May we be obedient to hear what the Spirit of God says. And we pray that in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. God bless.